I'm Kate Daniels. Let's get motivated about creating a great future. Joe Tankersley, a futurist and former Walt Disney Imagineer, is inviting us to dream, to look at the future as something to build, not some kind of thing that is waiting out there for us. This is very stimulating and hopeful. So let's get right to the dreaming and meet Joe Tankersley. Joe Tankersley, good morning. Thank you so greatly for being with us this morning. I'm so excited to have you join us. Well, good morning to you, Kate. I appreciate the opportunity to chat with you. Well, you have such important and exciting things for us to chat about. I was thinking that uh, maybe your second name is actually Mr. Optimistic Futurist. <laughs> well, it's the one I'd like to have, certainly. I, I work hard to see the positive possibilities in the future. And that is what really comes through loud and clearly in this wonderful book, Reimagining Our Tomorrows, Making Sure Your Future Doesn't Suck. I think that definitely uh, puts that straightforward and for, really strongly uh, giving us the message of what we're going to have a conversation about this morning. Well, I certainly hope so. I want everyone to believe that they have more possibility to create the future that they really dream of than they might imagine in the past. And I think this is really important because it's, we could easily get, that using that word suck, we can get sucked into thinking, <laughs> oh, things are so bleak and life is so challenging that uh, here you are giving us these various possibilities and giving us a chance to be optimistic. Well, absolutely. I, to, to me, the biggest challenge that we face is, is in some part of our own making. Uh, stories about you know, disasters, stories about a future where the robots are going to take over make for great media. Uh, the problem is, is, is they don't promote any sort of critical imagination about what we can do with these new tools. And that's what I'm trying to get the conversation to change about, really. And, you know, it's so interesting because it's it sort of reminds me of that archery term of sin that you just slightly adjust the way the arrow points and you can have this vastly different outcome. So it it's really just asking us to change even slightly in our thinking and we can create something so vastly great and different. Oh, no, you're absolutely correct. It really is a, a major change in, in the way we think about these things. Uh, one of the challenges that goes with that, I think, is the fact that we focus on these individual possibilities. And part of what we need to do is step back and look at the bigger story. You know, what's really going on? And, and what I believe is, is we're in a moment of time where we're seeing a huge shift toward, for lack of a better term, a digital future. Uh, and that's going to be radically different, which means it opens up some major doors of opportunity. And of course, we are already living in pretty much of a, a digital future. And the way that everything has accelerated, we can only Im then imagine it's going to change. But that's what's so wonderful about these various scenes and stories that you present in Reimagining Our Tomorrows that gives us an opportunity to really think about this and see a different kind of outcome. Well, that's certainly my hope. I hope readers do do see that no matter who they are and where they come from. I had two real goals in writing the book. The first was to address what I thought were sort of the top 10 most talked about topics, getting older, you know, the, the new gig economy. What does it mean? How do we deal with climate change? Uh, and reframe those conversations in, in a different story. 
And then the other piece was I wanted to make sure that we can talk about the future in more inclusive terms. There are a large number of people in this country who believe the future doesn't include them. Uh, and those folks are missing out, I think, on being able to contribute to creating the future that works for all of us better. And I think that's that part is very obvious through the scenes that you present for us through these various chapters. And we can really see it in our world, in our country, in our communities today, how important that is. But it really has a a great thread through these stories of how we are uh, really a community together. And it takes uh, the various... what different personalities that we are, different cultures that we are to make it all happen so vibrantly. Now, absolutely, you're absolutely right about that. And that's one of the interesting paradoxes about the, the contemporary world we live in. Uh, with things like our cell phones, we are connected to everyone in the world if we want to be. But at the same time, the technology that we're creating really empowers communities to be much more connected and to take a greater role in creating their future. And we're seeing that across the country and around the world. And that's a very exciting shift in our point of view, is that local groups, local neighborhoods and communities can actually do way more than they used to could. And I think that, yes, we are certainly seeing that. And I love the various scenarios that you present. I I think about the one where, you know, taking these shopping malls, which we see are are still, you know, such a big part of our landscape, but we can see how they're changing and how a community has, in the book, has taken that and made it into really a, a vibrant place for people to come together and live. Yeah, that particular uh, topic is an interesting one. Uh, Most of the the people who look at the trends uh, suggest that maybe as many as 20 or 25 percent of our shopping malls will be essentially vacant within by 2030. Um, And what I wanted to do was look at that more as an opportunity and not a threat. Interesting little side story. uh, When the book first came out, uh, uh, someone responded to that particular story, and their first response was, well, we need to tell every real estate developer in the country about this because this is a huge opportunity for them to think about. Uh, How do we reuse those assets that may not be relevant in a digital age? And and that's just it, is to rather than think negatively and be a pessimist and doom and gloom, that be much more open-minded and see these different possibilities. Yeah, that's to me, it all starts there. You have to start with, with imagining what you can do to make these uh, tools work for us. And that's not to say this will be easy or that it will necessarily be guaranteed. There will be, you know, we will be required to do an awful lot of work. We have to retrain workers whose jobs disappear because of automation. We have to create a new form of education for a world where, you know, knowledge gets uh, old much quicker than it used to. But until we know where we're trying to go, it's impossible to create the strategies to actually get there. And to have that mindset that there is a different way rather than just succumb to the negative and think, well, what's the what's the point? Yeah, I mean, that that's, you know, if you play that scenario out, it doesn't really end all that well for much <laughs> of, of any of us uh, if we just give up. Uh, and it's interesting because I think we have been 
trained through the industrial information age to believe that there are you know big powers out there that are making all the decisions and creating our future for us and, and it's just not as true as it used to be um, you know the digital world uh, our ability to be connected our ability to do much more than we used to be able to do as individuals really does shift the power balance and that's one of the things I think we need to understand and that certainly is is something that comes across quite clearly in the book, Reimagining Our Tomorrows Through the Various Scenarios, how a a different way of thinking may seem contrary and it's slow to start, but we see how it germinates and grows. And I think we can think of those sorts of scenarios even in in the world today, how, you know, individuals start something and all of a sudden, uh, you, you know, it grows into what it is. I mean, we can think about a Paul Allen and Bill Gates. Oh, absolutely. I mean, they, they certainly, they may or may not have had a bigger picture when they started, but they certainly didn't believe they couldn't shape the future. And I think that's the, the bottom line in all of this. And of course, for me, my original inspiration came from the fact that I spent 20 years working at Disney, where I really did get a chance to study Walt Disney, who was the original optimistic futurist. Uh, he believed you could create stories that would create different futures for people. And I think he probably is so responsible for so many of us being optimistic and hopeful and and really having, uh, you know, kind of that spark in our heart. Well, for those of us of a certain age, that's definitely true. Uh, I think one of the, the goals for me when I really sat down and started writing the book was to answer the question, how do we reimagine that optimism in a world that's, that really has grown cynical? Um, we don't have the same level of positive outlook uh, if you look at surveys about the public today that we had 30 or 40 years ago. And I don't want it to be misplaced. I don't want us to just believe in every utopia. But at the same time, I want to nudge us toward that more positive, critical imagination is is what I like to think about. And you really have us thinking, too, about how – while there are these challenges around us, that doesn't mean that that is then the future, that we get sort of turmoil as we grow, that growth isn't just a smooth road forward. You know, there are growing pains. Oh, absolutely. And I think that, once again, is one of the the main things that I'm trying to get people to think about and think differently about the current moment that we are in. In some ways, we are going through one of the most significant changes culturally uh, and economically and in terms of government and politics uh, as we ever have. Uh, It's almost as if you combine the introduction of the industrial age with the introduction of the printing press. Imagine those two things happening at the same time. And that's really what the last 20 to 30 years has been about. Uh, And so, yeah, it's easy to be confused. It's easy not to know what's going to happen. But we are going through a moment of change, which is disruptive. And so that's where this book, again, mentioning reimagining our tomorrows, making sure your future doesn't suck, 
is an important book to read. It's a quick read. So that should perhaps be motivating. Like I don't have to, you know, set aside a, a month or a weekend or something like that. You know, you can go through it quickly, at least initially. And then I can kind of imagine that what would be desirable is to make get a group of friends together or a like-minded group of individuals or maybe some not like-minded and really begin to dissect it and and dream about those possibilities? Well, that's certainly the hope. Uh, And the book grew out of the work that I do as a futurist, which is exactly that kind of work. While I think the stories are are inspiring and I think you can learn more about what is possible from them, their real value is when you sit down and challenge them. And when you try to deconstruct them and ask questions like, is this the future that I would consider to be good? And then the next question is, how do we get there if this is the future we want to create? What do we have to change? What new avenues do we need to create in order to create this future? And it's those conversations that are so very powerful. And that's where I get really excited is when I'm working with a group, particularly of diverse voices, uh, as we try to create a consensual future for that community. So let's mention your website where we can get more information about the book's availability. That website is? It is www.uniquevisions.net. You can get more information. You can download an excerpt from the book. And, of course, the book is available on all the digital uh, platforms out there, Amazon, Barnes & Noble, Kobo. uh, You know, it's pretty much everywhere if you're interested in getting a copy of it. And that's my hope, certainly. I I know that that would be your hope, but I do wish that as well, because I think that we owe it to ourselves to really think about these things, to not get caught up in so much of the news is doom and gloom, and we can become so pessimistic so easily, but not to let that really grip us to find that counterbalance, to find the counteraction and, and see Really, what are those dreams we perhaps had uh, years ago, decades ago? What did we come to this planet with in our heart that we want to see to fruition? Well, that certainly, I believe, will create a better future for all of us. Uh, There's a a fairly well-known quote attributed to Walt Disney. uh, It goes something like, if you can dream it, you can do it. And so many people look at that and think, well, that means we can do anything, which I believe is true. But I think the real emphasis is you have to know how to dream first. And that's what I'm trying to encourage people to do is to use the information that is out there uh, to understand what's really happening and then to create new dreams based on that information. Uh, If we do that, then I do think we have the opportunity to create some pretty amazing futures for everyone. So the... There's a chapter about climate change and the kind of community that can be developed and the changes. And some of those things have gone through my mind, the way that, you know, we have these pretty incredible storms in terms of uh, devastation. And, you know, insurance companies keep telling people to rebuild in the same areas. So it's interesting the way that it's addressed here. And we see what could ultimately happen, and uh, it turns out to be a very positive thing. Well, it does, actually, and that's one of the funny things about solving many of the the challenges that we face. Uh, It turns out that there are lots of positive benefits that go with that. 
Uh, I've worked for a number of years with a, with a large national nonprofit that is dedicated to rethinking how we build homes, particularly in areas that are susceptible to uh, catastrophic uh, weather. And the couple of things that we've learned over the time is, is if you move away from the very edge of the coast, if you let the mangroves grow back in those areas, particularly here in the south where they're so important, you not only decrease the impact, you actually improve the environment for people and the fish come back and you see the coral reefs return. So it's a very complicated system, but a few minor steps can actually improve the overall system for everyone. And that's the exciting piece, I think. Absolutely. It, it, we see how it is possible to have what we have had and make it sustainable uh, just by having these different visions and not giving in to, oh, it's already gotten to this place. There's no hope. Well, uh, we certainly don't want to get there. And it's interesting, uh, sort of a side note, I was listening to the radio that's building tiny homes for senior citizens, these little communities, so that people can stay in community longer and can work together to help each other. And, of course, that's one of the themes I talk about and is very important to me is the future of aging. Um, And how do we make seniors, give seniors the opportunity to actually engage in the community much longer, which is what all older folks really want to do. And between technology and reconnecting our communities, we can start to imagine a completely different version of growing older in this country. Yes, that is a, an incredible chapter and, and very important um, for seniors, but also as we see ourselves living longer and the aging population growing, that that's uh, really critical to see how it can be made uh so much more integrated and uh, and supportive, I guess, very positive. And, and I certainly also hope that at least stories like that will, will prompt people of all generations to realize that creating the future is not just something for young people. Certainly, if you're in your 20s or 30s, then you think more about your future than you might be if you're in your 70s. But I think there's a huge opportunity across the generations to come together and really make positive futures uh, that will not only impact today's seniors, but also will reimagine what growing older will be for next all future generations. And that's an incredible legacy that we could think about leaving for people. Absolutely. Yes. So, again, this book. Reimagining Our Tomorrows, Making Sure Your Future Doesn't Suck, so critical because we cover so many, we, <laughs> I'm wanting to include myself with you, Joe. In, in You're more than welcome. <laughs> I hope you do. That's really what the book is about, is to create people talking about these ideas and inspiring the community to believe that they can own these stories. Yes, absolutely. And the thing, too, is that you really provide us with great resources along with this at the end of the book, you know, encouraging us to gather, as I mentioned, maybe we we get together like-minded friends or uh, maybe it's a book group that just uh, begins to expand and grow. There are so many different kinds of possibilities. And, and as you said, to make it inclusive, to have a diverse group of people get together, you say that as you have your speaking engagements, that's usually the kind of group of people you get together. Is that so? 
Uh, yeah, I work a lot with, with communities. I work with nonprofits. Uh, I work with businesses that are interested in transforming the future. And those tend to be the ones where you get an incredibly diverse cross-section of people together. At least that's what I always encourage them to do. Uh, because if you can create a, a consensus around the future, a story that everybody understands and, and buys into at least at some level, then you can do amazing things. Uh, and we, like I said, we've seen this in communities across the country and around the world in the last couple of years, as more and more local governments have said, we're going to bring our, our folks together and we're going to start thinking long-term into the future. And that really excites me when I see that happen. And so it's been about almost five years now that you have been on this particular path. What have you seen evolving and how has that developed for you? Well, I think that it's, there are a couple of interesting things. Uh, futures, being a futurist in, in contemporary times for the last few years has been largely uh, meaning, meant that you work with large corporations because the big corporations understand they have to think further into the future. And the shift I'm starting to see is you're starting to see mid-sized companies, you're starting to see communities, you're starting to see local governments begin to think, we've got to break out of the cycle. You know, uh, one of the real challenges for a local government is they're trapped in that kind of election cycle that everyone else is in. And they're beginning to understand that they can't accomplish what they need to accomplish for their community. So you see more and more cities that are saying, we've got to you know, a goal of by 2050 being completely renewable with our energy sources, or we've got a goal of by 2030 having 100% recycling. And that's the kind of exciting shift that I really want to see more people make. And so you travel the country, because I know that you you live in Florida, you were here uh, in Seattle recently speaking, so you travel the country. Do you travel internationally with your speaking engagements? I do, not as much as I used to, uh, but yeah, I'm, I'm certainly interested in talking to any group anywhere uh, that wants to pursue some of these ideas. Uh, I was actually uh, in the Northwest. One of the things I did while I was up there was uh, the Portland Public Schools is actually working on a uh, 2030 visioning project right now, and they brought in a, a panel of folks to talk about the future as a way to kick that off, and well, it was a great community-wide effort that's going on for a number of months now, I think, as they create their vision. Um, so those are the kinds of engagements that are really exciting. And schools are, are certainly another piece of it. We we get a little insight into that uh, with one of the stories where the kids talk about, well, we learn everywhere. We're not sitting in a classroom just to get our education and because it happens all around us. And is that perhaps part of the vision that Portland's talking about? Uh, well, you know, as I, I came in at the very early just to sort of give them some ideas along with some other folks about how those of us who think about the future are thinking about the different trends and changes that we see. Um, my guess is that's part of what they're trying to incorporate into what they're doing. Uh, education is one of those areas that is really being disrupted right now. There's no question about that. And, and on the one hand, struggling to begin to come up with a new vision. I believe the future of education is exciting once we figure out how do we take all of the resources we have and reallocate them in certain ways. We're still going to need great schools. We just may need different delivery devices so that people can learn when they need to learn, not 12 years in a seat and then I'm done and I never learn anything else for the rest of my life. 
absolutely, or different forms of it. In one of my lifetimes, I was a teacher, and one of my most favorite things was doing the extracurricular, and we did the musical dramas. So the kids were so much more engaged outside of school, classroom, doing that than they were having to sit there and, and learn their grammar or write essays, that kind of thing. Yeah, I, no, I totally agree with you. Um, I think one of the, the the old educational model, which is the industrial age educational model, has become more and more disassociated with real life, unfortunately. Uh, and people of all ages learn the best when they have a goal in mind. People learn the best when they are engaged. So from education, let's take a look at something that I thought was really interesting. And it comes up, too, is... Uh, tourism and vacations, and you're talking about sustainable tourism. Right. That's become, that actually is a a huge priority right now for the United Nations. They've uh, set 2030 as their goal for creating sustainable development through tourism uh, for many areas around the world. Tourism is important. It drives local economies everywhere. certainly does here in Florida where I live. Uh, but at the same time, we have to know, realize that there are really environmental impacts to the way we are currently pursuing providing people with travel opportunities. So how do we change that? How do we still have the advantages of people traveling and at the same time create a local culture that's really vibrant and economically uh, advancing? Lots of, of different possibilities that folks are talking about there. One of the most exciting ones, I think, is the idea of how do you actually travel to a place and really be immersed in a local culture, not just immersed in a tourist or you know destination. So there's a wonderful chapter that includes ideas about that virtual reality being a piece of it, too, isn't it? Oh, absolutely. That's going to be – it's not going to replace face-to-face travel. It's not going to eliminate our desire to go places but it's certainly going to change the nature of those experiences. So maybe what we do is uh, you visit the big overcrowded tourist destinations, the Colosseum in Rome, through virtual reality so that when you actually travel to Rome, you can spend your time meeting a family or eating in a local restaurant. And not have to fight crowds of tourists. Right. There's, as you said earlier, almost all of these ways of changing what we do have multiple upsides. Uh, They're either good for the economy, they're good for the environment, or they're good for us because we don't have the stress of trying to do some of the things we've done in the old-fashioned way. And what it takes is taking time, as you were saying, Joe, to dream. It takes the imagination. It takes just simply thinking about a different way of doing things rather than the same old way, which is going to keep us bogged down, make us feel negative, make us feel agitated. So here we have a way to think about things differently. Let's mention your website again, because that is certainly a wealth of information. Sure, absolutely. That's www.unique visions.net. And it is the place where anyone can go and learn much more about the background behind the stories in the book. Uh, One of the things I really made an effort to do was to make sure that that every idea in the book is based on fairly in-depth research about what's going on in the world and what those who follow the trends suggest might be possible. So it's not a work of fiction for me. It's a work of, of, I call it speculative nonfiction. Uh, It is based on what is possible. 
And that is so incredible. We didn't even really have time to get into the whole area of robotics, but that is a fabulous chapter, again, heartening and a way that we see that that collaboration and cooperation is certainly a very important and large part of this. No, absolutely. And once again, we can decide to use technology to replace humans, or we can decide to use technology to enhance our ability to accomplish jobs that are really difficult for us to do. And I think the latter approach frees us to be much more creative and imaginative and to do things that, as humans, are just our unique talents. And that, once again, excites me. Well, you have a way of getting us excited as well and looking forward to great opportunities. That title, Optimistic Futurist, I think is very apt for you. And on that note, I just want to thank you again, Joe, for taking time with us this morning, for writing this, and for giving us uh, really this opportunity for dreaming and hoping. Well, thank you so much, Kate, for the conversation. I really appreciate anyone who wants to talk about these ideas, and and I appreciate your excitement about them. So a great future to you. Well, many thanks.